You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Yeah. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. Oh, once she grabs, she won't let go. Rock, rock, rock and Nicole. None of that soft stuff. Rock, rock, rock None of that heavy metal stuff. Rock, rock, rock Just a little bit of jazz. Rock, rock, rock What do you think? Just I like love that. it. The, the ah, hi, welcome to a Tuesday, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I had a mishap literally seconds before the show started, and my glass of water spilled. All over my console. So, sorry, I'm a bit discombobulated. I've got water everywhere. I just hope that nothing's shorted out. Okay, so I'll tell you what. Uh, I was going to start with something. I got to clean this up. So we're just going to get right to the videotape. It's another day with Marcy Wheeler. I'm just hoping, oh, everything's working. I, I, I need to make sure everything's working. Um, okay, appears to be, I guess. Fingers crossed. All right. With no further ado, then, um, hopefully, I can make this work. Let's check in with Marcy Wheeler. Ready? Take it away. We are back once again with the fabulous Marcy Wheeler because I've got lots of questions and Marcy tends to know the answers. So there's so many things that have happened since the last time we spoke. One of the big ones, the main reason I contacted you this time was this filing, the Dominion lawsuit against Fox Not News. Um, now, we've known Fox is not news for a, a long, long time, uh, but this is proof. We have proof that they are indeed a propaganda outlet who cared only about ratings and revenue and really didn't care about disseminating the truth uh this i don't think we've ever seen proof like this in one place before it's pretty earth-shattering stuff isn't it yeah it was really damning i mean uh so basically normally when you uh sue for when you sue for something the person being sued asks for summary judgment asks for things to stop before trial 
the person suing wants it to go to trial because they get to keep collecting information and, and so on. And in fact, Fox still, last we checked, had not turned over key parts of the discovery that uh, Dominion had asked for. So like some of the top top executive stuff they were they had not gotten yet. But um, Dominion, very ballsy, was like, okay, we're filing for summary judgment right now, and we're, we're, we're arguing that this is the heightened standard, uh, and, and we, want, we, want to, we want this ruling for us right now. And they lay out, they tell a very compelling story about how after the election, Fox was being cornered because they called Arizona for Biden. Right. Because they told the truth. And um, this was a big part of the January 6th committee as well. They, they talked about how much the kinds of response that Trump made in response to that call in Arizona. Um, and as a result, Trump kind of said, well, I'm going to take my, my propaganda elsewhere. I'm going to go to Newsmax. And there was this moment in 2020 where people were sort of migrating to Newsmax. And, and, um, and Dominion laid out, I think, pretty compellingly that within Fox, there was this panic and not just among executives, but among people like Hannity and Tucker. Hannity saying, I'm not quoting him exactly, but Hannity saying, you know, we're going to lose everything we've invested 25 years to gain. We're going to lose our audience. We've lost the trust of our audience. Our audience needs to hear these things. And so in response to that, then Fox started um, basically lying more than they normally do. Um, you know, they basically started, you know, like they had some they they had some impatience for Sidney Powell, which is funny because she used to work for Fox hmm. uh, and they had no impatience for her when she was telling similarly outrageous lies about Mike Flynn. But they had some impatience for Sidney for uh, Sidney Powell, but n- no impatience for the rest of it. They were all like, well, yeah, you know, this could uh, you know, there were these these amazing quotes where Steve Bannon says to Maria Bartiromo. And where uh, Tucker says to, I think, his his producer, they basically say, you know, yeah, this is going to undermine the elected president, but we got to do what we got to do. It's incredible. And you see uh, the texts and I'm guessing that that Dominion was able to get all of these text messages through discovery. And this is because Mm -hmm. there's a lawsuit that is going through the, the, the process. That's part of the process. This is something that. I guess you, they don't easily have access to in criminal proceedings as they do in civil proceedings, right? Because otherwise, well, I mean, you, you, there you would ha- the bar for going after any of these people in criminal proceedings is so high that you know from t- and I made this point when I wrote this up. We Hannity has been in the thick of every single criminal investigation of Donald Trump, um, most tellingly uh, in. One of the filings in Paul Manafort's case, he was using Hannity, Paul Manafort was, as a back channel to Trump. So when he needed to set, tell Trump, you know, here's how I'm responding, I'm not going to flip, here's what I'm hearing, here's how I'm going to protect Jared, um, that all went through Hannity. And that's not surprising, uh, but, you know, it's just a testament to the fact that Hannity has always been part of Trump's criminal exposure, but even under Trump, the bar to going after Hannity for discovery would be exceedingly high. And and Merrick Garland has raised that still further. And so you're not going to get it in a criminal case unless you can prove that, that Hannity himself was committing some kind of crime. Whereas here, um, it was part of discovery. 
And something that is known about Fox News is normally when they get to the stage where, for example, Hannity could be deposed, they settle. They did that, for example, in in at least one of the Seth Rich cases. As soon as it came to deposing people like Hannity and um, those other nuts, forget who else was on the line, um, they they settled. Um, And here... Dominion wants the money, but they they also want the truth. It matters to them to be fully vindicated, and so um, they're going kind of they're going for the kill in a way that not everyone who sues Fox News has the time or patience or money to be able to do. Right now, now I should mention at this point that the Fox lawsuit isn't the only one. They're they're so they're suing OAN as well, although OAN obviously doesn't have the resources that Fox has, right? And they're suing Rudy as well. And they're suing Rudy as well. Oh, and boy. then um, one of the other one of the other voting machine companies, I forget the name. It'll come to me. Uh, they are also suing Fox. So is yeah, that Smartmatic or are they part of Dominion? Yeah, it's Smartmatic. Smartmatic. And so there are all of these lawsuits that are pending. And then Sidney Powell, of course, is in all sorts of legal trouble. Um, so these are all, you know, they're they're all kind of burbling along. But this was this was, as you say, We've known this stuff. I mean, I should say one of the most alarming disclosures in the piece was um, after the after the election was called for Joe Biden, Trump said something. Uh, it was like the second tweet where he first started attacking Dominion. And um, Jackie Heinrich, yes. who's like a real reporter at Fox, she's one of the like maybe three left. She fact-checked Trump on Twitter. yes. And the response of both Hannity and Tucker immediately was, you have to stop this. And they went to the top executives and they said, you know, can we get her fired? Because she told the truth, because she fact-checked Donald Trump. And uh, we don't know, again, uh, Fox, uh, Dominion has said that they haven't gotten all the discovery that they should have gotten from Fox. But what we do know is that Heinrich subsequently deleted that tweet. Right. So, you know, she was threatened. And and at a time where, like, the entire Republican Party was like, oh, my gosh, Twitter censored Hunter Biden, just dick pics. You know, we're finding that the response at Fox News to one reporter actually telling the truth is to try and fire her. It's insane. And and we see the the text messages from uh, Tucker Carlson saying you need to fire her immediately. Then talking about the, the the repercussions, not in terms of as you would expect from a legitimate news organization, our credibility is going to be damaged here. <laughs> but because they're worried that the audience is going to leave them and go to say Newsmax, who's feeding them more of what they want, despite the fact that it's not true, and that Tucker Carlson made note of. Our stock price is falling. This has to stop. Priorities, people. Right, right. Although, I mean, it, it's important to note that for them, and this was, again, something that comes through everywhere in this filing, for Fox, their notion of credibility with their viewers has nothing to do with the viewers expecting the truth from them. It has to do with the viewers expecting them uh to tell them what they believe, to reinforce their beliefs about especially Donald Trump. And so, 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I recommend everyone who, who has the three hours or whatever to take the time to read it because it it is one of those documents that is really worth the time to read in the original. Oh, most definitely. Now, you have it um, linked from a piece at EmptyWheel.net. I will link to it from the blog today where I post today's show. It'll be at NicoleSandler.com slash 2-21-23. That's the format I always post each day's show in. Um, but what you link to is this is interesting i was trying to figure out what the difference is it's a 192 page document what i found when this was first released is like 447 pages but what i think the difference is the one i have is a combined complaint does that make sense it's it's combined um if i can find it 443 pages i think it's two in one I'm not quite sure. It's got a lot of transcriptions at the end. So there's... There, they have the exhibits, which yeah, if you that's have it, send it is. to me because, oh. yeah. Okay, I'll send you that link. Yeah, it's the it's the entire um, uh, Dominion versus Fox News complaint. It has the exhibits. It has transcriptions of full interviews and everything. It's 443 pages. I'll, I'll send you the link. I've got that uh, linked already. So there's enough to keep you busy here for a while. And it is jaw-dropping. You know, years ago... I had this little um, this little ID made up. I, I jokingly said I offered it to Fox, but they've chosen not to use it. Your original source for fake news. Fox News. We make shit up. I made that years ago before, you know, Donald Trump started with his fake news stuff because they are the original source for fake news. I talk about opposite world all the time, and it's the idea of these people talking about the legitimate news universe as fake news while, you know, they, they hold themselves up there as the authority. But the, the problem is that people who watch Fox tend to do so exclusively, and they're not talking about this, are they? No, they're not being shown it. And um, like one telling detail is that the boys who have been pushing the Twitter files for three months now have not mentioned it. Like for them, like, you know, Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, this doesn't exist in their mind. I mean, Glenn Greenwald briefly said, oh, Tucker was saying the same things publicly that he said privately. That's not true. But most things from Glenn Greenwald aren't true anymore. Um, but the point being is all of these people who for years have been saying, oh, my gosh, imagine if a media outlet lied to us have just just, you know, I'm not going to talk about this. Right. And um, and it's that itself is t- as telling as anything else, because uh, it, you know, it, it goes to this kind of omerta about the fact that Fox News is just a complete propaganda network. And they've admitted it. I mean, that's the point is these depositions. They admit it. They're like. Yeah, I never believed any of these things that I was saying about the election. And, and it's only gotten worse since. Like, it's only gotten worse because once I think that moment of vulnerability around Newsmax, um, they, to my view, at least have doubled down in their support for Trump, um, having learned their lesson or something. I don't know. I don't I I don't think they've learned their lesson. In fact, even with Trump, we see Rupert Murdoch 
And he, he makes some cameos in here from time to time. Does, and, yeah. and basically, he, he doesn't care about disseminating the truth either. He just doesn't want to hemorrhage viewers. He doesn't want the audience to leave. Uh, and, and that's where they equate trust coming from telling the viewers what they want to hear rather than telling them the truth. And I I should say, when I said they've learned their lesson, I don't mean they've learned their lesson about telling the truth. They've learned their lesson that Trump, I mean, there there are also these comments to them from Tucker, where he says Trump is a destructive, you know, uh, the demon or something. Right. Twice he says Trump Trump is good at one thing and it's destroying things. And, you know, it's Tucker Carlson recognizing that Trump has the ability to destroy him. The whole leopard eating the face moment, right? Tucker Carlson realizing that, he has empowered Donald Trump, and now Donald Trump is in a position to ruin him. And so that's the lesson I think they've learned, which is that they are not going to get on the wrong side of Trump going forward. Right. Now, you know, this Marcy Wheeler should provide a learning moment, a teaching moment for the American public in that our laws against, um, you know, well, our laws governing the media don't apply to cable. For instance, Fox, a a Fox television station that goes over the air could not make the claims that Fox, quote, news does. Couldn't do these things because their license could be challenged. They're licensed to broadcast. They're not allowed to present something as news knowing that it's blatantly false. But on cable, there aren't those regulations, and that's why they get away with this. Do you believe this should serve as impetus to change those laws. Yeah, I mean, as we are talking, the Supreme Court is reviewing the first of two Section 230 cases. Um, There's another one tomorrow. None of them involve Fox News, but, you know, there's at at the moment, there's this discussion about the social media companies. Should they have to do X, Y, and Z? And, you know, if if there were a huge majority of Democrats in Congress, this would be the moment to say, okay, why don't we revisit these laws, including for cable. Um, You know, of course, that's not going to happen, but you're right. It should be part of the debate. It should be, again, you know, uh, James Comer, the new chair of the House Oversight Committee, has made it, you know, he's obsessed about the Twitter Hunter Biden thing. And it's like, look, dude, uh, let's talk about Fox. If you have concerns about media company censoring because they censored, detail data that was far closer to issues impacting our democracy and led directly to the insurrection. Right. So um, it's yeah. Interesting stuff. It is. And and that's the thing. So let's talk about what's happening at the Supreme Court, as you said, today and tomorrow. Two cases dealing with um, uh, the new brave new world of the, the, the Internet and social media companies. And now, Section 230 was something that Trump always railed against. He wanted to do away with this provision that lets social media companies be held harmless for people posting information on their sites that is, you know, less than truthful. Um, and and so there are two different cases. Can you speak to what they are, what the specifics are of these? I'm not, I, I, no, okay, I can't that's... do that well enough. I mean, the, the point for people to understand is that Section 230, you know, and it's not just social media companies, it's like Empty Wheel and Nicole Sandler as right, well. Right, right. They can, they, you know, 
I moderate my comments, but if somebody comes and leaves something outrageous in my comments, I'm not going to be held liable for what they say. That's the premise. Um, and then starting in Texas, some judges were like, no, no, we, we, you know, you have to host anything that we want. You can't moderate, you can't, you know, it's, it's basically really changing how social media works without, um, thought about the implications of it. And frankly, it, it's likely to backfire, but no matter what the Supreme court decides, uh, but it, 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 it is there needs to be a much more thoughtful conversation and the conversation needs to explain, for example, that section 230 covers me as well as Twitter. Right. Uh, but also that that judge in Texas is an idiot. And also that we should talk about Fox news as well. And, and we're not having that conversation for a lot of bad reasons, but that's where we are. Right. And, and the thing is these laws governing, uh, this very fast-changing, fast-moving um, uh, uh, part of our lives has not even been addressed since the, the, there's the Telecommunications Act of 1996. The, the Internet hadn't even really taken off, and yet that controls so much of it. It's also what destroyed the radio industry, but I digress. Um, but there hasn't been another piece of legislation to correct the wrongs from that legislation, and in, including the basically no oversight of cable because it's not broadcast over the air and the 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 premise being that the airwaves are public so terrestrial media whether it's radio or television that's regulated by the fcc but cable and this unknown world of the internet is is all gray area well that's got to be figured out and the thing is i guess we can't get our elected leaders to agree on anything. So why should they come together on this? But the good news is that James O'Keefe was fired. <laughs> now, James O'Keefe, that little twerp who uh, made a name for himself, uh, surreptitiously videotaping people and then creatively editing the videotapes to make it appear to be what he wants to push, um, has now been um, uh, has now been booted from his own organization. Apparently, he put up a, a, a crying video saying, I don't have a job anymore. I haven't seen it, but I, I did read about it. Um, do you think Project Veritas is going to continue without him in the same vein? I doubt Project Veritas can continue without him, but I also, I mean, there were a couple of things that were cited. One is he's a bully. Go figure, right? Um, and so other employees were complaining about him. Another one is he apparently spent all this money for dance videos that are really crappy um, music videos. And he was spending things on like black cars. Those sound like excuses to me. Another thing that's going on is there was um, a civil suit where uh, project Veritas was found to basically spied on um, a democratic organization. More importantly, since November, actually since November of 2020, but since November of 2021, Project Veritas has known that James O'Keefe and three other Project Veritas people are subjects of this investigation into Ashley Biden's stolen diary. And it has they they managed to kind of glom it up into a um, into special master review of his First Amendment privilege of James O'Keefe's First Amendment privilege. But they're getting close, like two people pled guilty in, if I remember correctly, September. Um, one of them pled to having said, this is literally a stolen diary. 
So at this point, there should be no question but that the diary was stolen. Um, and then in this, like, the special master kind of reports on what she's been doing a month and probably like six weeks after the fact. And so in January, she said that in December, she had turned to a crime fraud, a crime fraud review of what she was looking at. Right. And at that same moment, the existing Project Veritas lawyers quit because they were being implicated in the review. And so the the subtext to that, we can't be sure, but the subtext to that is, I mean, you don't get to a crime fraud review if unless a crime has been committed, but the subtext to that, and there's a lot of reason to believe this is true, the subtext is that within Project Veritas, somebody was saying, tell me how I can get away with um, being in possession of this diary I know to be stolen and, or something like that mm-hmm. and, um, and, and not be, not be exposed under the law. And so whatever's happening in that case, it's getting close. And so one of the, one of the things that has happened, whether or not it's coincidental or not, is that Project Veritas has severed ties with James O'Keefe before anything happens with this criminal case. Oh, okay. So they're, hopefully they're, they're maybe wanting to not be liable for some maybe personal damages ascribed to him or whatever. They, they cut I mean, ties with him. It would be, but, you know, I, I think maybe they're trying. I mean, like, look, there's all these donors that are implicated. And when they were crying about their phone back in November 2021, they're like, they were not worried about their sources as as much because they already knew the sources had been discovered by the FBI. They weren't worried about their sources. They were worried about their, their the conversations with their lawyers and they were worried about their conversations with their donors because the relationship that they have with their donors is really, 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 really sketchy. And so that's what they were worried about. Uh, we'll see what comes up. Right. Okay. That's just one more piece of a giant puzzle. Marcy Wheeler is with us. There's so much to ask you about. I, I mean, we had another big release. Well, not as big as we had hoped or some of us had expected um, uh, since we last spoke. And that was the release of, um, well, not the whole grand jury report from Fulton County, Georgia. Just uh, a, a very sketchy Uh, introduction and conclusion and one paragraph about the grand jury believing that some one or more witnesses lied to them under oath. Fanny Willis, the DA of Fulton County, Georgia, asked that this report not be released to the public because she said indictments are imminent and she wants to ensure that future defendants get a fair hearing. And if all this was released to the public, that would be a, a hurdle. So um, what do you make of this? Well, uh, along with that, I would recommend AP Today has a story from the um, the grand jury um, foreperson okay. and a long interview with this woman. And she describes a couple of things. Like she confirms that Mark Meadows testified. She implies he said virtually nothing. Cassidy Hutchinson spoke at length. Um, Rudy Giuliani at least seemed to think seriously about the privilege claims he was making. Uh, Lindsey Graham, it sounds like, was quite genial. Uh, And then she described that one witness was refusing to cooperate at all. And then when he or she was offered immunity, then they got a lot more chatty. And then a couple of other witnesses came in with immunity. And so the immunity reference was the one that was most interesting to me because it says that 
because because I've seen from the January 6th committee transcripts that these people in the states, especially Georgia, Nevada and and Michigan, were being asked to do something illegal. Mm -hmm. And inside the Trump campaign, they knew it. They said, here are the states where it's really a problem what they're asking these people to do. And they were those three states again, Nevada, Georgia and Michigan. And, um, and I, you know, these in, in all of, in all six, seven of these states, the, the people being asked to be these fake electors are, are like the core of the Republican party and the Trump administration just asked them, can you break the law for us? And, you know, in Pennsylvania, they were careful about not breaking the law, but you know, in those three States they weren't. And so I could imagine those people came in and said, I, I really, I really, um, I'm not going to talk until you give me immunity there, you know, like even from the January 6th committee, there was one guy from Georgia who refused. He was originally a fake elector and refused. And you can tell from his testimony, he wasn't telling the truth to January 6th as well. So uh, I look forward to that, but I do recommend people read that as after they've done reading the Dominion filing, they should go read this AP report. Okay. You guys are really busy all day. I hope you don't have a day job. No worries. I, I And I'll post it all uh, on the blog today so people can get to it easily. And you can always also find this stuff at emptywheel.net. In fact, when you're there, um, there's all the all these topics we're talking about are covered. And, and again, I, I salute you. I don't know how you keep it all straight. I try and I'm like, okay, th- this one's tripped up over that. But they're all intertwined too. There's this incestuous nature and i guess the connecting thread is you know the republican party because this is infiltrated basically the whole party um so you got fanny willis any idea when this will happen she said indictments are imminent and we're not getting the rest of the report do you have any clue what imminent means no i don't i mean there's a lot of uh, conflicting observations about when their grand jury schedule is so that you'll get a new grand jury in early March. It could be that that's what they're waiting on. Uh, it's just not clear. I, you know, and it's also possible that she's going to coordinate with DOJ now because she's got all this evidence and um, I, it's soon, you know, like You're- things are getting closer to an end game and all of these things. It's never going to come as soon as people want uh, even if Donald Trump were charged today, it wouldn't give the immediate effect that people would like it to give because um, he's still going to be out on pretrial release and he'll still be, you know, sewing up violence. So it's not going to even if he's charged tomorrow. Right. It's not going to. No. So and he'll still be lying and pushing disinformation because, for instance, when uh, the, this five or seven pages or whatever it was, was released. Trump jumped and is like, they didn't, they never contacted me. They didn't ask me to testify and they didn't subpoena me. Well, I learned after that, that the target is never brought before the grand jury. That's just not done. So if he is indeed the target, which he should be, um, he wasn't expected to go before the grand jury. So again, he's, he's trying to confuse things, but you know, he's confused. But then again, we're talking, there's this Georgia investigation, Fannie Willis, and then there's Jack Smith, the special counsel who's working under Merrick Garland at the Justice Department. And now in the past week or so, they've stepped up the subpoenas. They've they've subpoenaed some. Well, they haven't. They haven't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like, okay, this is please. One of my pet peeves, Let's go. What Let's they've go. done is they've taken the next logical steps. Okay. And that's what they've been doing all along. 
Uh, but they're more visible now because Mike Pence went to the press and said they've given me a subpoena. And Evan Corcoran went to the press and said, or not Evan Corcoran, but other lawyers involved in the case went to the press and said, you know, they're trying to crime fraud Evan Corcoran. So it's not that, it's really not that there's stepped up activity. It's, it's just really the process. Not that this is particularly aggressive. Like we've already seen Trump lawyers be crime fraud accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Cohen was, Rudy Giuliani certainly got close to that. We've already seen um, a vice president testify, Dick Cheney did in the CIA leak case. So none of this is as new as people w- want to claim. Although I will say that this investigation is is exceptional for the number of people who have privileges. So for example, I did a chart last month or maybe the month before counting 25 key witnesses or subjects um, of mostly just the January 6th committee investigation, although there, as you said, there's overlap between these, um, who are lawyers who therefore have protection by attorney-client privilege. Another thing that we know is going on before the D.C. Circuit right now is Scott Perry is trying to prevent DOJ from getting into his phone. He's making uh, he's making a speech and debate uh, privilege claim about his phone, um, which is actually what Mike Pence is planning on claiming to try and avoid testifying himself. So what you're seeing, what, you, what I think people are only now beginning to appreciate is one of the things that has made this a particularly difficult investigation is that all the key witnesses are lawyers, not all, but mm-hmm. you know, Mike, Mike, Mark Meadows is, is one of the rare exceptions. And DOJ actually did take steps from very early on to begin the process of getting into these lawyers' phones. But that process just takes, I mean, you know, it can take six months to exploit some, you know, yours and my phone and we're not lawyers. Uh, it, it, it can take twice that or like James O'Keefe, you know, yeah. it has taken since November of twenty. 20, 2021 wow. to get into his phone. So it has taken well over a year now, 14 months, right. To get into his phone. And that's just an example of the kinds of things that happen when you investigate people who are, who are subject to certain privileges. And so I don't think anything we're seeing now from Jack Smith is um, all that surprising uh, the January 6th investigation was focusing on on Mike Pence uh, over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And there was the kind of this conversion. It was very clear that DOJ was focusing on the pressure on Mike Pence from all directions a year ago. So it is not surprising that we're going to see a subpoena to Mike Pence. It's just that DOJ has had to do all the all the groundwork in between. There, there is literally not a step that Jack Smith has taken in the stolen documents case that is surprising. What people forget is that DOJ was prohibited from taking these steps until December 12th. Right. So a month after Jack Smith was appointed, they still were prohibited from doing anything because of because of the injunction that Aileen Cannon uh, imposed on the case. So it, these, these are not surprising steps. These are not aggressive steps. These are not, uh, we're not ratcheting up steps. We're just getting to levels that are more visible and that um, probably are closer to the end game. But I, but I really want to caution people, it, it's still going to take time. This stuff takes a lot of time. 
Got it. And so they're going through the process and, and one thing leads to another process. and leads yeah. to another. And, and that's what they're doing. But now, finally, some of these people we need to hear from are being subpoenaed. So there is action happening. Um, well, there's always been the action. Right. The in public, so in, 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 in public view. But let me let me give you an example. Okay. Um, and this is one that I that I, that that uh, that I think is is uh, very useful. Um Mark Meadows was subpoenaed last month. Mm-hmm. Um, no one has seen the subpoena, but we know in December, Rudy Giuliani was subpoenaed, and Rudy was subpoenaed only for the money he got from Trump's PAC, Save America PAC. Okay. I think it is likely that's similar to what Mark Meadows got, um, partly because Mark Meadows is not a target of that part of the investigation. He would be a target of the fake elector scheme. He would be a target of the coup attempt, but he's not a target of the financial stuff because the financial stuff is all stuff that was within the Trump campaign. Um, one of the things I suspect that Jack Smith is doing is using all of this financial corruption as a way to loosen up other witnesses, as a way to get to the larger um, plan. It actually extends beyond the January 6th. Some of the, like that, basically what Trump did was raise money from November until January 6th saying, I'm going to do something about voter fraud and then dump the money into Mark Meadows's NGO. And okay. so that's the stuff that we know. One of the things that we know is going on, but people forget that Mark Meadows by dint of being subject to the presidential records act, and by dint of being uh, basically on the hook for obstruction by not turning this over under the Presidential Records Act, um, spent a good part of 2021 and 2022 complying. Spent a good part of the time uh, turning over all the records that he would turn over under subpoena. And we know that both the January 6th Committee and especially Jack Smith, or the predecessor to Jack Smith, they subpoenaed the archives for that material. So everyone's like, well, oh, you know, Mark Meadows has finally been, finally been subpoenaed. It's like, well, Mark Meadows's material was subpoenaed back in August of 2022. And even before that, you know, it's just, we're not hearing Mark Meadows run to the press. We didn't hear Mark Meadows run to the press back then because it was happening. And there's a lot of that that has gone on in this investigation. And so I, I'm sorry to harp on it. Right. No, it's a good been point. A great deal of effort on TV to say, oh, DOJ hasn't been doing anything. And, DOJ is going to do stuff covertly as long as they possibly can. And that is to the best. It may not satisfy, you know, cable viewers, but it's, it doesn't mean that there is an action. It means the action is stuff that Mark Meadows isn't going to know about. Right. And it's out of public view by design. So they're, yeah. they're, they're working through, they're working through it. Um, but there in, in, in the meantime, there are other investigations going on. So the January 6th committee, House Select Committee dissolved because the Democrats are no longer in control of the House. Now the Republicans take over the House, and that means they have the right to hold hearings. And their hearings are weird. So James Comer, you mentioned earlier, the new head of the Oversight Committee, which is just mind-blowing. And his first hearing was on um, censorship, perceived censorship by social media of um conservative viewpoints and so they called in the executives from twitter mostly and they went after him for 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 you know not allowing the hunter biden laptop story to go for if if i understand it correctly 
this they couldn't you couldn't link to this story from the New York Post for about a day. That's what and then the then the restriction was lifted. That was the focus of their questioning. But the Democrats on the committee went in and and really showed how their censorship was not so much against the conservatives, but against more liberal viewpoints. Am I, am I getting this right? Yeah, so the fourth witness, the three witnesses that Comer called, Jim Baker, former FBI uh, general counsel, turned Twitter general counsel, um, I'm going to say her name wrong, but another lawyer from Twitter, and then um, Yoel Roth, who was the charge of secure, you know, safety. Um, those were the three witnesses that Comer called. And then the third witness, the fourth witness was, um, I'm going to butcher her name, but Annika Navaroli, okay. who was, if you recall, there was a Twitter whistleblower who, who the January 6th committee heard from, but we never saw this woman testify. Okay. Here That's was her true. chance to testify. And some of the things she revealed are that um, in response to a tweet from, and I'm going to say her name wrong, Chrissy Teigen, um, responding to Trump attacking her, she called him a pussy-ass bitch, (laughs) and the White House called Twitter and said, take that tweet down. Right. So that is actual censorship. That is the government actually asking to censor uh, content. So that that was the one instance of actual censorship we saw at the hearing. We also saw that after Trump, if you recall, um, AOC and Ilhan Omar and um, Rashida Tlaib and uh, I want to say there's Ayanna Presley. Yeah, Ayanna Presley. Trump at one point said, go back to where you came from. point that was prohibited speech for twitter you could not use that as a slur against immigrants and um because trump said it twitter and this was um this was the first instance according to the witness where twitter basically rewrote their rules so that trump wouldn't have to take down the attack on these four members of congress um yeah, I mean, and then she also told about how the warning she gave to Twitter and and how she warned them on January 5th. She said, somebody's going to die mm-hmm. and we're going to be responsible. And here, are, you know, like she described how in response to Trump saying stand back and stand by, things lit up immediately and you could see a change immediately. And Twitter did nothing about it. And so her her testimony was, unsurprisingly, we have to do more uh we have to make more efforts to cut down on incitement on Twitter, not less. Um, but of course, the Republican outcome was not just, well, we can't, you know, uh, you're being mean to Republicans, which of course was disproven by the by the hearing. And not just like you can't, I mean, one of the other things that, and it's really important, this is another one of my pet peeves, um, Matt Taibbi, who's incredibly dishonest, has not done any, he has not made any effort to understand the context of what he looks at. So he's really worked up about the fact that um, Adam Schiff asked Twitter to watch um, the searches and comments about his staffers. This was in the period when he and his staffers and the, the Ukraine whistleblower were getting death threats. So basically it was a request uh-huh. of, can you watch the death threats that are coming out from your campaign? And Matt Taibbi has completely misrepresented that. Another thing which is huge that he has misrepresented is um, both in 2020 and 2018, in advance of the election, um, and I think 2022, 
the um, DOJ worked to combat disinformation about place or means of voting. He actually charged a right winger uh, in 2016 for this because he did it at scale. He basically led Hillary voters to think if they texted their vote, they didn't have to show up at the polls. Oh, God. Um, and some some number of people actually did throw away their votes that way. And so this is what the FBI was watching in the days before the election. Some of this was foreign. Some of this was, you know, they, the like stuff from the election. They say Russia, uh, Iran and China were all involved in this kind of stuff. There was this great campaign that Iran did pretending to be Proud Boys and uh, contacting Democrats, registered Democrats. They hacked a, a registry of Democrats in Florida. It's always Florida. We always Florida. I know. Um, I don't know what's going to happen when you move to Arizona. But, um, <laughs> so, hacking, so they were ro- writing Democrats and saying, you know, and pretending to be Proud Boys and trying to convince the Democrats not to vote, um, basically by threatening them. That was Iran. It wasn't the actual Proud Boys. But this, if you were as dumb as Matt Taibbi, would look like, you know, policing of American speech. And then there were actual Americans who were lying, sometimes at scale, about how and when to vote. And that is there are laws that prohibit that. And so based on a, um, a ruling from the public integrity section of Bill Barr's DOJ, FBI was not saying to to Twitter, please take these down. FBI was saying, we think these may violate your guidelines. Do what you will with them. But can you help us? Can you preserve these? So if we find reason to go prosecute these people after the election, we can do so. And Taibbi has completely misrepresented that. And so he, you know, he over and over again says, oh, you know, these spreadsheets of American voters. And what, what Matt Taibbi is doing when he does that is basically... Um, he is complaining that the FBI is enforcing the Ku Klux Klan Act. He's basically taking a a pro-Ku Klux Klan stand. That doesn't show up at all. It didn't show up in the hearing. You know, there's this misrepresentation about it. But, you know, the outcome of this hearing and what the the Republicans are actually trying to do is, is, um, and and Yoel Roth said this in the Mm -hmm. hearing a couple times, actually. He said, you know, this effort to cut down on misinformation tied to the vote came out of 2016. You know, there was bipartisan consensus coming out of 2016. We don't want this to happen again. Let's work with the social media companies. Let's start this dialogue so that people, it's harder for Russia or China or Iran or just, you know, bad right-wingers or even left-wingers, as as Taibbi showed. Some of them were left-wingers, so that they cannot interfere with other people's right to cast their vote. Mm -hmm. That was the idea. And Republicans have invented this entire propaganda effort, thanks including to Matt Taibbi and Elon Musk, so that they're saying it's bad to protect democracy. That's what the Republicans are fighting for. They are they are taking a stance that it is bad for Twitter and Facebook to protect democracy. Wow. That's, that's what this is all about. You will not hear that in a James Comer hearing, and frankly, you didn't hear that from the Democrats I wish you had. But again, the goal of these hearings is to undermine efforts to protect democracy. Wow. Wow. There's so many levels that these things are operating on. So there's the the James, the Comer um, uh, hearing, which was just I mean, it was two, two completely separate things. It seemed like the Democrats were at least prepared, knew where they were going. They had a point to make. The Republicans were just like Hunter Biden's laptop. Okay, so, and I have to say that uh, that um, what is his name? He's from Florida. Um, 
Byron. Oh, da, da, Donald's. Byron Donald's. Um, it was going to happen that some Republican was going to say, how come you took down these posts that Joe Biden asked you to take down? And Yoel Roth, who didn't know this firsthand because he wasn't doing it, but Yoel Roth said, as I understand that, and he didn't use my phrase, but, he, you know, as I understand that, those were non-consensual um, nude photos of Hunter Biden. And, and you know, Donald's didn't stop. He was just like, how dare you take this down? How come you know about this? And it's like, look, Ultimately, one of the things the Republicans are complaining about is that Twitter saw fit to enforce the terms of service prohibiting non-consensual dick pics. Right. You know, it's, it's about democracy and it's about dick pics. And that's where the Republican Party is. Wow. Wow. OK, so now bringing us to today and what's going on now. I mentioned a few minutes ago, the January 6th committee disbanded. They released a lot of uh, data on their way out the door. Um, But now we find Kevin McCarthy, the new Speaker of the House, released all the security footage from January 6th, not to the media at large, to Tucker Carlson? What? What happened here? Uh, We don't actually know everything that happens. I mean, uh, Mike Allen yesterday scooped this story that um, and, and the phrase he used was that McCarthy was making it available to Tucker Carlson. But this is a promise. I mean, this is a demand that people like Marjorie Taylor Greene have had for a very long time. And remember, Marge, Marge was going into the D.C. jail and lying about the conditions and lying about the kinds of people who were detained pretrial. Mm-hmm. All lies. I mean, what people should know is that with very few exceptions, the people detained pretrial were either violent people, people accused of assaulting cops, or uh, people who were accused of leading the conspiracies. So the top Proud Boys, uh, Stuart Rhodes, a few of the other top Oath Keepers, and then people who violated the release conditions. That's it. Those are the people who were jailed pre-trial. March lied about that. She's like, all these people, misdemeanors, oh my God, they're in jail. And um, and so she has spent a lot of time spreading lies about what happened on January 6th. And she very early on was demanding that all of the, because the the right wingers believe that if this video comes out, they're going to, you know, they're going to find the deep state really caused this riot. It wasn't them. They're going to find that Ashley Babbitt was shot in cold blood. They're going to find that if you look at it from another angle, it looks like everyone who assaulted cops were simply responding to heavy handed police work. You know, um, those are the lines you're going to, those are what you're going to hear from Tucker Carlson. I promise you. Right. Uh, in the in the days ahead, the problem is that like from from day one, um, the Capitol Police have been saying, you know, please don't release this video. Please don't release this video. We don't want this video. And and the reason why is clear. Like uh, I I did a I, I did a post in which I linked a, a post from December of 2021 that tracked how just one camera over, um, at that point, just a year of releases showed you a lot about how to disable the camera. It was this Uh, camera in the tunnel, right? So the mm -hmm. tunnel was where the worst fighting was. I'm looking at it now. And and the tunnel was, because this gets forgotten, the tunnel was where Joe Biden walked out. Right. During inauguration. So Mm -hmm. the tunnel is something that you need to protect. And there weren't many cameras in the tunnel. For, for one, like most of the most of the surveillance video comes from one camera at the back of the tunnel. And over the course of the day, that camera got spattered. 
And so over the course of the day, the functionality of that camera got far worse. And um, I speculate, I don't know if this is true, but it, it, you know, there were a set of defendants from the tunnel that were there early on. It took longer to find the people who were in the tunnel later in the day. And one of the reasons that was probably true is that you lost that security camera. You, I mean, if, if people go to my site, they can see, it's actually really fascinating because like early in the day, you can kind of make out individual bodies. And then by the end of the day, like there's, there's a screen cap in there from when the sun started to go down and the electronic, the, you know, the, the artificial lights came on. And the ability to see the crowd dramatically changed mm. at that moment. And that's one camera. And so what Kevin McCarthy is releasing to Tucker Carlson via whatever means is that times thousands. Right. He's going to give Tucker Carlson and anyone else Tucker Carlson gives access to the ability to understand not just how to dismantle or, or uh basically take out surveillance cameras throughout the Capitol, which is, you know, these are people like, again, Marge, Marjorie Taylor Greene was key in getting him to release this two hours before she took credit for the release of it. She was calling for secession, you know, so this is somebody calling for secession in the same breath that she says, look, here's all of this video camera that we can use to more successfully attack the Capitol next time. Mm-hmm. The other thing that this that this um, video surveillance in Toto will do is make it a lot easier for people to see where there aren't security cameras. Right. Like, so, for example, in the office that Kevin McCarthy inherited from Nancy Pelosi, there are no security cameras. It, it was very difficult to prosecute people who were in private offices because first you had to figure out who was in there, then you had to get their phones and use the video that they took of each other off their phones wow. because that it makes sense, right? You you don't want your private workspace to be under sure to be under centrally controlled surveillance footage. Places where there's lobbying also not good surveillance footage. Right. The um, the scaffolding outside, not surprisingly, no surveillance footage because it wasn't permanent. And so all of those areas were blind spots that um, it took investigators a very long time to fill. And they did it by by going to other defendants and taking their phones and gotcha. using their phones against each other. Right. But this decision to just make it available to Tucker Carlson and not the media at large, I, I guess that's his prerogative as speaker. But really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's incredibly alarming. It's incredibly dangerous. I don't, Benny Thompson clearly had no notice, uh, Jamie Raskin, no notice, Adam Schiff, no notice. It's not clear that uh, Schumer or McConnell or Hakeem Jeffries had any notice. Uh, he, it sounds like he just unilaterally made the decision himself. Now, one thing, hypothetically, I guess, that could happen is that um, uh, if things get really bad with Tucker Carlson basically launching propaganda because he has asymmetric access to this stuff, I assume that Schumer and McConnell could agree to to make it more widely available, mm-hmm. um, but but it is it is dangerous. It is unbelievably partisan. Yep, it is a testament to the things he had to agree to to become speaker, right? And the people he is um, he is beholden to, to, right? 
Yeah, right. beholden to. He's beholden to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Right. And so, again, literally yesterday she went in the morning or my morning from calling for secession to two hours later saying, I'm the one who got that video released. Right. And that should that should terrify people. And that not only that, terrifying. in the wake of the Dominion filing, knowing what we know about Tucker Carlson, who's willing to lie and call it news, um, this is the height of irresponsibility and complicity. Well, and in- he's been, I mean, he has been like crazy conspiracy theories from the start. The like, yeah. Revolver News early on was taking every named person in the Oath Keeper indictment and saying, these are all, you know, obviously these are all informants. One of them was Sharon Caldwell, the, the, the spouse of one of the now convicted Oath Keepers, right? So he turned this woman who, whatever else she was, she was a very dedicated wife who was doing everything to keep her, you know, 65-year-old spouse comfortable while he was being prosecuted for his involvement in January 6th. Like, you know, I'm sure I have nothing in common with this woman, but she should be thanked for the support she gave to her spouse. And instead, Tucker Carlson turned her into an FBI informant. Wow. And so from the start, he's been chasing that kind of ridiculous things baselessly. Mm-hmm. And now that he has the video, we should expect it to, to happen at scale. It's it's just mind blowing. All of these, everything that's going on, it, it it's enough to keep somebody occupied. You know, twenty eight eight twenty five eight whatever, uh, nonstop. And and you are Marcy Wheeler. Uh, Emptywheel is where you find her work. Uh, again, we've just barely scratched the surface. As usual, we could keep going because there's so much stuff here. But I think I think we put a good dent in it in this hour. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you helped me, you know, slog through all this and and understand. Uh, the un-understandable. I mean, because some of the stuff is just incomprehensible. It's when you you look at it, if, uh, and I've said this so many times over the last decade, if, if this was a movie script that somebody submitted to a Hollywood studio, they'd go, "Eh, it's just inconceivable. It just would never happen. It's happening. Truth truth is stranger than fiction. My God. Um, All right. So what's the next thing you're looking at? What's what's next on your agenda? What are you covering today? Well, you know, the Proud Boys are back in trial. We expect probably as we speak, Jeremy Bertino, who is one of the top Proud Boys who pled guilty, is testifying. So that should be pretty interesting. Um, Yeah. And how are things in Ireland? Anything going on over there or just the U.S. keeps you busy? No, no. I will say I didn't go to this protest, but um, the 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 fascists, some of them from the UK, some of them with ties to the United States, have have been really ratcheting up um, uh, hate against immigrants oh, of wow. late, and so there was this big coalition. Uh, march for solidarity with immigrants and with diversity. And it was, I mean, again, I wasn't there. I had a prior engagement that I actually kept, but it was this beautiful um, march in favor of diversity. And so it was good to see Ireland take on the fascists because the, you know, the fascists are trying to do here what they have done a lot of work doing in the United States. Yeah. And elsewhere too. It's something to keep an eye on. <laughs> you're, you're, you're paying attention to all this other stuff too. Marcy Wheeler, as always, can't thank you enough. Emptywheel.net. Find her at Emptywheel on, you know, of course on the Twitter, but on the Mastodon as well. Uh, thank you as always. Always great to be on. To be on. 
Uh, Marcy Wheeler. She just, you know, she she's as good as they come. I, again, I marvel at her ability to keep the facts straight. I, she's she's working mostly without notes. You know, I have to grab things like, wait a minute, what did I read? And then I can never remember where I put the thing that I need to refer to to get the notes. Um, thank you. Lisa D in the chat room says, great interview, with, as always, with Marcy. She makes it easy. I mean, yeah, it helps to know what's going on and what questions to ask. But, you know, oh my God, I throw them at her and she comes back. Today, though, I stumped her on exactly what the two cases that the Supreme Court heard today and will hear tomorrow specifically dealt with. But she knew the general uh, theme, right? No, I love when I have Marcy on too. And I'm glad you guys do as well. You know, I don't have her set for a specific, like every other Thursday or whatever. It's just when enough builds up, (laughs) <laughs> like enough stuff has happened since the last time she was here. And then I just send her a message. I said, well, you ready for another session? Let's go at it. And I'll tell you something. After the release of the Dominion stuff, I thought, okay, time to get Marcy back on. Now, you know, she was on with Brad and Desi on the broadcast just last week. And we try to have a little bit of a separation there. One thing that bugs Brad no end is if like we have the same guest on the same day or a day apart I don't think you mind because we do different interviews but you know yes Marcy is incredible again find her at emptywheel.net and remember Empty Wheel is not behind a paywall just like mine yes Marcy has a Twitter account it's at Empty Wheel and her website is emptywheel.net support her work if you like what she does support her just like I ask you to do it here Those of us who are independent practitioners, as it were, you know, it's it's the new gig economy, I guess. So Marcy works without a paywall. So when you read, as I hope you do, EmptyWheel.net, then um, uh, then then go, uh, you know, help her out if you can. And the same way, as I always say, if you have the means, if you can afford it and you enjoy listening to the show, then please do contribute because we need your help. I mean, I I work based on your generosity, seriously. And so does she. So those of us who, you know, we don't have a salary coming from anyone. No one else pays us. But that's when you get people like me and Marcy who do the work, one, because we want to, And two, we don't have anybody breathing down our necks telling us what we can or can't say. So, all right. So that's that. Yes, Marcy is also on Mastodon. I'm not sure what instance. See, that's the thing. With Mastodon, you have to know what instance they're on. I'm at mstdn.social. I believe Marcy is at mastodon.social, but I'm not 100% positive. I will find it out. I just know when I bring up Mastodon, because I follow her, I don't need to add in the extra stuff. Marcy got a shout out on Stephanie Miller's show last week by a guest. Good. Yeah, she'll, you know, and she'll keep coming back. And thank goodness she's a resource that we can keep going back to. All right. That's it for today. Uh, Crisis averted, no water damage. Knocking on wood laminate. Uh, Note to self, do not bring 
an open glass in here anymore. I've got my big vat o water that's contained. So if it drops, if it you know gets knocked over, it doesn't spill. But yeah, I didn't bring that in today. Uh, I am right. Thank you, Spocko. It's at empty wheel at mastodon spelled out dot social. I'm on MSTDN because I'm vowel averse, apparently. All right. With that, uh, we're done. I will be back tomorrow. Not sure what we're doing tomorrow yet, but, you know, come on for the ride. We'll have fun. Okay. And I'll leave you with the news because that we can do. All right. See you tomorrow, everyone. Bye. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Well, that was a President's Day for the history books. President Joe Biden met President Volodymyr Zelensky on Monday in Ukraine, reiterating U.S. support for the nation and announcing new military assistance and sanctions against Russia. During the very secretive visit, the two leaders walked the streets of Kiev as air raid sirens could be heard ringing out. This happening just days before the first anniversary of Russia's invasion, and as Russia is reportedly preparing for a spring offensive, while Ukraine is hoping to soon retake territory. In his State of the Nation address today, Russian President Vladimir Putin doubled down on his war in Ukraine and, of course, blamed the West for the conflict, saying, quote, they are not going to stop. The threat continues every day. Huh? Putin also said that Russia will suspend its participation in the new START nuclear arms reduction treaty. Under this plan, both the U.S. and Russia were permitted to conduct inspections of each other's weapon sites. But inspections have been halted since 2020 due to the pandemic. Well, President Biden departed Ukraine, headed to Poland, where he'll give a speech today ahead of the one-year anniversary of the invasion on Friday. Here at home, EPA Administrator Michael Regan, the nation's top environmental official, visiting East Palestine, Ohio today amid growing reports of rashes, headaches, nausea, and other symptoms that residents believe are related to that February 3rd derailment of a train carrying toxic chemicals. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg told reporters on Monday that he also plans to visit the community, quote, when the time is right. Okay. And he announced new efforts by his agency to improve rail safety. Meanwhile, residents are criticizing the federal and state response to the wreck, saying that much more needs to be done to assure residents that the air and water in the town are safe. Crews have checked hundreds of homes and say they haven't detected any dangerous levels of contaminants. Hmm. Well, the Ohio Health Department today is opening a clinic to address health concerns there. The Office of Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost sent a notice of intent to sue to Alan Shaw. He's the president and CEO of Norfolk Southern, the railroad, saying that his company released pollution that, quote, continues to contaminate the area around East Palestine, create a nuisance, damage to natural resources, and caused environmental harm. Local residents in Ohio's waters have been damaged as a result. The company also faces multiple class action suits from residents to be continued. Meanwhile, across the globe, people in southern Turkey and Syria cannot seem to catch a break. A strong magnitude 6.3 aftershock struck Monday, killing three people and injuring hundreds more and collapsing many more buildings. Of course, that's on top of the more than 46,000 people that have already been confirmed killed by the original pair of quakes that struck on February 6th. 
This aftershock caused more buildings to collapse, reigniting panic in the region. Search and rescue operations have now resumed days after they concluded most searches due to the unlikely chances of survival for people trapped in the rubble so long. And here we go again. Shockwaves are also being felt through the tech world as the Supreme Court hears oral arguments today and tomorrow in two cases that could have a major impact on the Internet's future. Really, the outcome of these cases could determine whether tech platforms and social media companies can be sued for recommending content to their users or for supporting acts of international terrorism by hosting terrorist content. What's the heart of this battle is Section 230, of the Communications Decency Act. That's a nearly 30-year-old federal law that courts have repeatedly said provides broad protections to these tech companies. But the law has since come under scrutiny alongside growing criticism of big tech's content moderation decisions. As a result, websites may soon try to manage their legal risk for hosting or promoting content, which means possible big changes on sites like Facebook, Wikipedia, YouTube, and many others. From the Deja Vu, a major winter storm will impact millions of people across the U.S. this week, with heavy snow, dangerous winds, possible blizzard conditions, and for some, the coldest temperatures of the season. I'm sorry. Don't blame the messenger. Aw, remember James O'Keefe, the weaselly, creative editing founder of Project Veritas? Well, James O'Keefe announced Monday that Project Veritas has removed him as its leader. Now, they had already placed O'Keefe on leave as the board looked into complaints about his treatment of staff members. Hmm. A tearful O'Keefe posted a video online, though he said it was for the group's staff. He said, quote, so currently I have no job at Project Veritas. I have no position here based on what the board has done. Project Veritas bills itself as a news organization, but it's primarily known for heavily editing hidden camera videos targeting mainstream news organizations, labor groups, and Democratic politicians. Good riddance. And finally, good news to end on. Researchers announced Monday that a 53-year-old man in Germany has become the fifth person in history to be cured of HIV, that, of course, the virus that can lead to AIDS. The patient, known as the Dusseldorf patient, received a stem cell transplant 10 years ago and has not taken HIV medication in four years. The Dusseldorf patient is the third person to be cured of the virus through a stem cell transplant. Dr. Bjorn Eric Ole Jensen, who published the findings in Nature magazine, said it's really cure and not just, you know, long-term remission. This obviously positive symbol makes hope, but there's a lot of work to do. Work on, indeed. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that Donate button.